Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. And Bloody Monday has come early this year. And uh, what better way to start, Jay, than with your Texas A&M Aggies firing Jimbo Fisher? Um, Jay, initial thoughts. Uh, I mean, you know, it it was uh, I felt like it was going to happen this year. Uh, I don't know that I expected it quite this soon. I, I didn't expect it coming off of uh, what was one of the best performances of the year for the Texas A&M Aggies uh, with that 51-10 win over Mississippi State. Uh, but look, I mean, if you take out the COVID year, uh, Jimbo Fisher has a losing record in the SEC. Uh, he you know, has done above average, but when you're getting paid that much to coach, uh, you have to be more than... Uh, just slightly above average. And uh, A&M obviously has expectations. The people in power uh, are expecting the Aggies to compete for SEC championships and national titles. Uh, the money is behind that. They weren't getting the return, and, and they decided to move on. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it'll be interesting to see where A&M goes from here. Uh, we start with Elijah Robinson uh, as the interim head coach. Uh, I'm excited for that. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I honestly, like, Part of me hopes that he just gets the job outright <laughs> and like AM hires like Sean Lewis to run the offense. Uh, I that's probably not the direction. I have a feeling that AM boosters, being AM boosters, are going to want to make some big splash hire, uh, especially with Texas coming into the conference next year. But it, it's, I think, with the new early signing period, things have just kind of sped up quite a bit. Uh, and A&M wanted to get out ahead of it and, and figure out, right, like uh, who their new guy is going to be and, and try to keep what is still a, a top 10 recruiting class at the moment and intact. Uh, and, th- and that's one thing you can say about Jimbo is he has definitely elevated the level of recruiting for Texas A&M. Uh, I mean, the past few years there have been have been great. And I think, you know, with the commitment to the program, obviously, uh, A&M is looking to, to keep that momentum going. Uh, but we'll see if the next guy is able to get it done. Uh, huge buyout. Uh, a lot of money, obviously. And yeah. there's a lot of think pieces out there about that. But, uh, you know, triple it's... The most, triple the most ever. Yeah. Gus Malzahn can... was the second most at $21 million. This is $75 mil. Yeah. Can Can you imagine getting paid $75 million, a severance? I mean, that would be a, uh, that would be a hell of a buyout. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 would I never, uh, yeah, I would never go back to coaching. <laughs> like, I know it's in the blood, and, and it's like it's what you want to do, but and you want to like, um, you you want to like clear your name, and you know, you know, tack on to your legacy or make your legacy look better. But seventy five mil to just like not do anything—that's yeah. that's a hell of a, a hell of a way. But yeah, triple the most since Gus Mal's on. And he was just 21 mil. It, it's, I mean, it, it is an insane amount of money. Uh, I, I like, this is, this is life-changing money, right? Like this is put two generations of your family through college type of money. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and A&M wanted to move on and the money was never going to be an issue because of, uh, you know, the price of oil and whatnot, <laughs> all the jokes that you got to get off there uh, as far as, uh, the money that's funding A and M, uh, 
but uh, no, nah, it, it's it's weird to see that amount of money out there. Uh, you know, and the the thing you see with Jimbo that you don't see with you know some of the other support staff uh, is the big buyout, right? Like, there's a bunch of support staff folks that that may have to move around or or change jobs, and uh, that's why I don't really celebrate these types of things, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are suffering that are not getting seventy five million dollars in buyout money, right? No, exactly, and there's a lot of people that are going to have to uproot their lives who aren't getting paid that. Um, there, there are human beings involved, even though you might not like the person getting fired. There are a lot of people under them that are going to be out of a job now. Um, and I, it, it needs to happen. This is a business. Um, again, um, you know, paying that buyout of 75 mil for a coach is something when, you know, we just started paying players for their name, image, and likeness. Uh, you know, fairly recently, yeah. But they've been getting seventy-five mil now to do nothing. Um, but no, it, I think it was time for A and M. Um, again, they're they're they were struggling. Like last year, they didn't make a bowl game. Correct. Five and seven last year. They went five and seven last year. Um, not looking good this year either. <laughs> Some would argue the uh, the best six and four team in the country. <laughs> oh, so they are six. Okay, so I, I thought they were. I thought they were f- uh, five and four. Okay. No, or, they're six yeah. and four, and they have Abilene Christian, so they'll likely get to seven wins. Seven, and then LSU at the end of the year. Yep. Yeah, so seven and five is, I think, pretty average, and I think that's the thing. Like, A&M doesn't want to settle for average. Jimbo there has been pretty average, except for that. Again, it was the COVID year where they had a pretty good year. Um, but, no, I think it was time. Um, that buyout is crazy, though. And I think the other thing is he's been recruiting at such a high level and you're not seeing those guys pan out. Yeah, I think the defensive line has, has taken a big leap uh, forward this year. And, and and that was the core of that number one class. Uh, so that that part is good. But again, you have alleged Robbins is still on staff as the interim head coach. So I'm, I'm and, not too mad about that. And, you know, whoever whoever takes this job. I mean, they're they're probably going to keep Elijah, right? I think that they want to try to keep him on staff. I'm like, I think he's been the biggest factor in and why AM has had so much success recruiting. Uh, I think they want to keep him on staff. I personally want to keep him on staff. Uh, but again, like y- you never know with with these coaches and who they want to bring on. Uh, you know, obviously, when when Jimbo came in and replaced Kevin Sumlin, my defensive line coach. Uh, Terry Price was kept on staff. Yeah, uh, we lost him earlier this year. That was just kind of another uh, wild thing that happened. Uh, but no, it, it's there are certain guys that you want to keep on staff, and and Elijah Robinson feels like he's one of those guys where if a if a new coach comes in, I, I don't know that there's necessarily much improvement to be had. Yeah, right. Is, is uh, there is there a rule? I know I think this is a, a rule in high school sometimes. Is there a rule that you have to keep somebody from a previous staff? I don't think for college. Not for college? Okay. I wasn't sure if – because I know when Penn State made their transition, I know there were people that were that were kept, you know, um, for a period of time. I know under uh, Bill O'Brien, again, I don't know if it was because of 
you know, he kept Vanderlyn and Larry Johnson uh, because obviously they're fantastic coaches. Uh, but I didn't know if it was because they you had to keep at least somebody. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think sometimes, depending on the transition, it helps to have a, a few people still around. Uh, there's also, I mean, you know, with with TP, he was a guy that played at A&M that was still recruiting at a very high level and had a lot of connection to the school. So I think it made sense to keep him on staff. Uh, I think Elijah Robinson, even though he's not uh, an Aggie from his alma mater, uh I think a lot of people are big fans of him in College Station and would prefer to see him kept on staff. Yeah, I mean, man, he's dominating New Jersey right now. Yeah, and especially with the fact that the on-the-field product, the defensive line has has clearly gotten developed too. Yeah, so absolutely. But, no, it seems like it was time. Uh, That was the big splash um, firing. Um, Maybe a little bit of surprise in the Mountain West with Andy Avalos. Um, Boise, he met him at Boise state. He was 22 and 14 came off a 10 win year last year, um, with a win in the Frisco bowl. Uh, they went eight and zero in conference last year. The year before that, they went seven and five, five and three. Um, and I believe their game against Arizona was canceled. They were in the Arizona bowl in 2021. Um, or they would have been so Jay right now, uh, Boise state is five and five. They're 500 right now. Too early to fire Andy? What What are you thinking? Yeah, this one feels really weird to me. And I, I get that, like, Boise State expects to beat other Power 5 competition or uh, to beat Power 5 competition and compete for that uh, group of five bull berth, right, for the, uh, for the New Year's Six bull berth for the group of five teams. Uh, and I guess Andy Avalos wasn't doing that. You had the the big loss to to Colorado State, where you kind of certain like that. That one is the one loss from the season where I'm like, eh, because like you lose on the road at Memphis, a non conference game that's not bad. Uh, you lose to Washington, who obviously like Washington's a looking like a playoff contender uh, this mm-hmm. year. Uh, UCF uh, at home isn't a great loss, but again, that's a Power Five now. They're five. They're a five hundred Power Five team. Yes. So it's like, so okay. It, like, and, and you're four and two in conference. So you're not like, you're still really, you're still in the, uh, the conference championship hunt. Mm-hmm. And you should I mean, beat Utah state. Yeah. You should beat Utah, Utah state, state and, and air force is kind of, uh, flagging recently, which we'll get into. Right. Uh, it, it just feels like a weird decision. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes that we don't know about, or, uh, maybe there's something with recruiting, but this one, this one definitely felt like a weird timing, and I love how they like did it right after A and M, so it kind of like snuck under the radar for a right. lot of people. Yeah, this one seems a little bit rushed to me. Again, maybe there's something behind the scenes. Maybe Andy Avalos, maybe they see some smoke in some areas of uh, I don't know about this guy, but I mean, again, seven and five his first year. Um, you know, win them out. I mean, they're coming off a twenty-eight point win, right? So it's similar yeah, to A and M. Exactly. Yeah, twenty-eight point win to new mexico so something had to something something had to be there there had to be some kind of smoke there i I don't see them firing him over that especially when they're when eight and four for boise state um or no i shouldn't say a seven and five is still kind of on the table you know and then play play your bowl game um yeah i don't know if you would have did did this say he gets only eight wins last year or seven wins last year. 
then I see, okay, you have a trend of, of three years where you're seven and five. Okay. Maybe you get rid of them, but they, they won the conference last year, right? No. So they lost the conference championship game to Fresno state. That's okay. Uh, right. Cause Hainer came back, right? Hainer was injured. Right. Boise state beat him earlier in the season. Okay. And then Hainer comes back and Fresno state beats him in the conference championship. But I mean, it's still a great, great year. 10 right? and four, like yeah. 10 and four conference championship. Uh, and I, again, it just feels like really weird timing. And even last year, you lose the BYU by three and eh, that UTEP loss was bad. I watched that one. You know, and then you lose to Oregon State. So, like, okay, you have one ugly loss. You have two others that are, okay, fine. Yeah, I don't know. This one seems weird. Maybe we'll find out some more about this. Maybe there's some smoke going on around the program. Um, you want to take this next one? Yeah. Uh, so, we're sticking in the Mountain West. Uh, Brady Hoke retiring at the end of the season. Uh, this one feels more like an expected uh kind of deal uh you know san diego state just got that new stadium built uh obviously they want some big things happening in their football program uh 2021 obviously hoke has a good year there uh 12 and 2 they finished the year ranked but 2022 last year they saw a little bit of fall off uh and this year i mean san diego state has looked just not good at all uh their bottom of the conference uh really really disappointing season they only have one win uh, in the Mountain West, and, and that's a win over uh, Hawaii. Uh, so it's it's not been a good year for the Aztecs, and, and uh, I think it was time for them to move on, and it just so happens that, that obviously Hoke is retiring at the end of the season, uh, but I think this is a retiring in quotation marks. Yeah, I think this is uh, – hey, Brady, I think it's time for to retire, man. Like it's it's over. Um, and you know what the thing is, like they started off with that win against Ohio. Um, and you think, okay, like Ohio, they're supposed to do some decent things in the Mount in um in the Mac. And then Idaho State, they struggle with Idaho State decent FCS program, from what I can remember. Um, and then it's UCLA gets stomped, Oregon State gets stomped, Boise lose the Boise get blown out by air force beat Hawaii lose to Nevada six, nothing lose to Utah state. And it's a lot of, a lot of close losses in there, but yeah, San Diego state, you got to get bowl. You got to get to bowl eligibility. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that they just had a very, uh, very weird deal, right? Where they try to leave the mountain West to go for the pac 12. And then that thing collapsed. So they didn't like, they don't want to have a bad year right now. No. Because this they is they cannot afford yeah, it. Not good timing for it. Uh and and we'll see how they close out the year. Uh but yeah, I think uh I think it was time for, for San Diego State to move on. Yeah. Um and then this last one, Zach Arnett is out at Mississippi State. Um he was five and six, including a bowl win against Illinois. Um here's the thing with Zach Arnett and Jay, um I don't know how you're going to feel about this. We did not talk about this one um, off camera, but the thing with Zach Arnett and I'll give Mississippi state some props is that when Mike Leach died, had that unexpected when he died unexpectedly, um, they gave Zach Arnett a chance. They said, Hey, um, you won the bowl game. The players love you coat, you know, like, 
we're, we're going to give you a chance here. Um, and then now they're five, now they're, or sorry, they're four and six, correct? Yes. And now they're four and six. Um, I did see some people, I was trying to find some threads of Mississippi state and it's, um, it looks like Zach, thank you, but this isn't going to work type of energy. It's a lot of, Hey, you're, you're, he's just not a head coach yet. Um, I have seen Mississippi state people like grateful of, Hey, like you were given a heavy burden. Mississippi state, I think did right by him and by that staff and the players by giving him uh, kind of the keys for, for a year. But I, I believe it just didn't, it's just not working out. Um, and that big time loss, of course, to Texas A&M did not help matters. So um, I think this is one where you can hang your hat on um, Zach Arnett. Uh, you know, I think he'll be fine as a coordinator, um, but I just think he wasn't ready for to be a head coach quite yet. Yeah, and then, and there's a couple of moves that I think people in Mississippi State were ne- weren't necessarily happy about. Uh, Mississippi State brought back a pretty experienced roster, uh, right. and Arnett kind of changed the whole offense, and I think there was a lot of people that didn't necessarily agree with that thought process. Uh, you know, recruiting wasn't going well either. And again, that could be part of our net, you know, just maybe not being ready to be a head coach. And and at Mississippi State, you're not going to recruit as well as some of the other people in the conference. Like that's just kind of a given. Uh, but yeah, I think this was just kind of a scenario where Arnett just wasn't quite ready. Uh, I think he'll be a great defense coordinator wherever he ends up. Uh, if I'm like if I'm USC Lincoln Riley, uh, I'm getting on the phone immediately uh, and and hoping to you know, get him for the defensive coordinator position. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it's weird to write, like, you, you fire a guy and really he hasn't had a full season yet, and he's five and six, so not, like, too far below 500. But uh, I think this is a situation where it felt like things weren't going to work out and, and things were really kind of getting worse in Starkville. Uh, three losses in a row and, and just kind of feels like a program that, doesn't really have an identity and, and, you know, Mississippi state uh, has a reputation of being like a physical team. And it, it seemed like they were losing some of that physicality this year. And I get that some of that too is, you know, things changed a bit with, uh, with Mike Leach in charge there. But uh, I think Mississippi state probably wants to get back to a physical brand of football being played and, and we'll see where they go from here. But yeah, this one didn't come as a surprise. And I think that, uh, you know, A&M pulling the trigger on firing their coach first, right before Arnett got fired was kind of a, a little bit of a shocker, but uh, it is it is strange to see both coaches, you know, get fired after a game like this, and it's not yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, uh, the the double the double firing, um, and the, yeah, you you brought up a great point that um, that. I, for, I forgot to put in the notes that Mississippi State's they had a return good returning roster, um, and it just did not it just was not working. So, um, anyway, bloody Monday uh, came a little bit early, and we are definitely not done yet. Um, hang out for a couple minutes before there's another coordinator that uh, another coordinator bit the dust, but we're gonna get there in a little bit. Um, 
Let's get into a little bit of a recap here. Friday, UNLV beats Wyoming 34-14. Uh, the running Rebels are 8-2. UNLV is legit. This is a, this is a legit Mountain West football team. Um, in the words of WWF's D'Lo Brown, you better recognize. Uh, Jay, UNLV, what, do, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, dude, this team is – they're just good. Uh, Barry Adam came in and turned this program around uh, immediately. And I, I do think Marcus Arroyo was doing a good job of building this program up. Uh, when he takes over in, in 2020, winless, then you go 2-10, and 10, and then you go 5-7. and seven. Like, there's a clear improvement there. But then uh, Barry Odom has put him over the top. 8-2 uh, and two right now. Uh, so if you want to go back, the last time that this program had eight wins was 2000. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty impressive. The last time that they had more than 10 wins – uh, or, or 10 wins, double-digit wins, 1984. Uh, so obviously what Barry Odom's doing at, uh, in UNLV is, is pretty impressive. Uh, this is, I mean, we've talked about this as a team that's kind of been like a sleeping giant, it felt like. It felt like that area, uh, like they should be recruiting better and, and, and winning more games. And, I mean – Look, we don't know if this is going to be sustained success. Obviously, this is Barry Adams first year at UNLV, uh, but I think it's pretty clear that this program is uh, doing pretty well, and and to have a chance at ten wins uh, at UNLV is is an impressive run, and, and this team looks very good. Yeah, it's this is not a team that is historically good. Like this is a not a program that's historically good, um, and for them, eight and two has have a shot at a mountain West title that is huge. And where they are located, like where they're located um, in Las Vegas. Um, it's, it's a place where guys might flock to man. Um, so yeah, great job here. Um, UNLV kind of the, a little bit of a surprise team. I think we mentioned before that we thought they would like be in the conversation a little bit, like definitely go bowling type of the type of thing. But Eight and two is fantastic. This is this is a great, yeah. great year for them. Eight and two, five and one in conference, and they play Air Force next week. Uh, obviously, that's going to be a tough matchup, but uh, the winner of this game will be the outright leader of the Mountain West. Uh, both teams are five and one. Uh, Fresno State's in second at four and two. Boise State four and two. San Jose State four and two. Uh, so yeah, this this game is for the lead in the Mountain West. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. A great conference. You gotta if you haven't checked out Mountain West football, you you absolutely have to. Um, at least the top tier teams. They're they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. now we're gonna move on to Saturday. Um, it's Groundhog's Day here again in Happy Valley. Um, so Michigan beats Penn State twenty four fifteen. Jay, this is the most toxic I've ever seen Beaver Stadium for like multitudes of different reasons one um penn state fans uh chirping at michigan fans for the cheating scandal michigan fans giving it back um a lot of arrogance from michigan fans too like i mean that that's kind of the michigan calling card yeah it's a lot of arrogance of like again um 
like even my youngest brother, Luke, who you met, um, like he came back from the concession stand line. Um, and he's just like, he goes, these Michigan fans were like talking trash in line. Like, we're not even doing anything to you. Like, like, what are you doing? Um, you know, some of my other people from my tailgates are the same thing that they were just like very arrogant and, you know, chirping people that like weren't even talking back to them. So that's something. And then you got Penn State fans in a civil war being like, if Franklin loses this game, we, he should be fired. And he lost. Um, and yeah, it's just not good. The vibes were so toxic. It was it was good when the game was close, but then when it tipped the other way, it got it, it was it was really bad. Um Michigan didn't attempt a pass. Uh now they did technically a got call for pass interference, which again I'm biased, but I didn't think it was pass interference. Daquan Hardy tries to make a play on the ball, runs right into the um Michigan tight end, and then the Michigan tight end throws Daquan Hardy down and it's pass interference. Um, that's the only pass they actually attempted, but because it was taken off by a penalty, it it doesn't show up in the stat book. Uh, with seven minutes to go in the second quarter, that was, that was their last pass, like, uh, pass play that was recorded. Um, And uh, they, they did it perfectly. Um, Penn State has a very good pass rush. Why pass the ball if there's a chance you might get sacked or possible pick? Run that ball, make Penn State's offense beat you, and Penn State's offense couldn't beat them. They could not do it. Um, I think James Franklin, uh, we have seen game day miscues from James Franklin before, but this was this was the worst I've probably seen of him. This was a very bad game for James Franklin. Um you know, I don't understand. I understand he was he, he, he chased points very early. You got a touchdown. It's 14-9. Take the extra point and go 14-10. He goes for two to try and cut it to a three-score game. And I understand he says points are going to be hard to come by. I get it. Kick the field goal. Don't, like, 14-10 is fine. Chase points in late third, early fourth. Don't chase points there. Um, but, again, hindsight 2020. Um now, Jay, I'm interested to hear your take on this. I believe a certain way, okay? However, I, I talked to a, a stats nerd, an NFL guy has no tie to any college football team, and he told me something different. Jay, two minutes to go, you score a touchdown, you are down nine, okay? Do you go for one or go for two? Uh... I think in that scenario, I'm going to go for for one. Right. Right, because the field goal still gives you the lead. Right? If you're down nine, you, you, you score no, no, a touchdown. So, no, no, so you're down okay. nine. Sorry, you're down nine. Sorry, you score a touchdown already. Sorry. Okay. You score a touchdown, you're down nine. Do you kick the extra point to cut it to eight or – do you go for two for seven? You're, there's two minutes left. Okay. Uh, so in this scenario, I, I think you uh, you go for two, right? Because like, if you go and you know you know you're gonna have to score again no matter what. 
Right. Uh, it's better to know how much you have to score uh, right away. Right. So like if you get the two point conversion and then you're you're down seven, uh, you're good to go. Whereas if you're down eight, uh, then like, well, you know, you have to get a two point conversion. You might as well go for it and, and try to get the, the two point conversion right away. So that's what Penn State did. That's what Penn State did. They went for two. They didn't get it. Now, granted, they ran the swinging gate, which who knows? Maybe that's yeah. It's like, not. It's not high school football. Maybe I think that's well, hey, kind of dead. USC ran it two weeks ago, and it looked really good. Um, but <laughs> but that might have been Mike Yursich knowing he was gone, and <laughs> maybe had a big middle finger at the end. Who knows? However, so that's what you just described is what Penn State did, and. I don't agree with it. I and and this is why. And maybe it's more of an old school attitude. My thing is keep you field goal or sorry, extra point, you're eight. Onside kick, you score a touch. If you get the onside kick back, you score a touchdown, then go for two. And then Michigan at this point, their backs against the wall. Okay. More pressure also if you I think it's easier to recover an onside kick for a return for a pans team. If you're up nine, than if it's eight, like maybe a little pressure situation. And I think that's what a lot of people in the Penn state community um, were thinking. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. Now I told you, I talked to my buddy who's an NFL. He's an NFL stats nerd. All right. He said the same thing you did. And he said verbatim of what you said verbatim said you're <laughs> you need the two regardless and then he said and i quote jake that's a boomer a boomer attitude and you staying quote unquote in the game is an illusion it's not real it's a fugazi you need the two it's better yeah it's better to know what you need so and again like um uh, Penn State fans don't want to hear that. They want to say, you know, how can someone do that? Um, but that's why. I personally don't like the call. If it was like four minutes to go, maybe I like that more. Because mm-hmm. now, like, you're you're taking a shot to cut it down. So I, I like that. I think I like that move more maybe with four minutes to go. Um, but I think, too, I think it's very, very unlikely you're going to be able to have two scores. You know, because if you miss it. Now you need extra point and then you need a field goal on top of it. So um, very, I like, I like that you said that, that makes me feel a little bit better that it makes me feel a little bit better that that decision by James Franklin doesn't just come out of like anywhere. Like it's coming from something. Um, I do like that. Um, Now um, the offense was abysmal. Offense was very bad. Michigan, uh, the disrespect Michigan had to just run the football and just get out of that game, you know, the entire second half. Uh, Penn State's offense was abysmal. Um, I'm going to be honest. I thought this was the best roster, most complete roster, I should say, of the James Franklin era, and I'm wrong. I was wrong. The receivers are not helping matters. They're not getting separation. There are rumors that the receivers room is off the chain, by the way, that they're very, again, 
take every uh, rumor you hear with a grain of salt, but allegedly the receivers are just, it was a bad culture before. And now coach Hagens is trying to like clean it up a little bit. Um, Drew Aller is missing people, man. And I hate it. I want this kid to be the truth. I think he's a great kid. I think he's like, I think his best days are definitely ahead of him. I'm not going to call him a bust. However, he is missing people over the middle of the field, man. Like he's not, he's not seeing things quick enough. And all audibles, by the way, are all sideline audibles. Everything sideline. Where again, I defended Sean Clifford for a long time. Where Sean Clifford did that on his own. You know, Sean Clifford was limited talent wise, but was at least able to do the things he could. Um, Drew's just not there yet, man. He looks like an 18 year old quarterback. And um, not to say he can do it, but it's just one of those things where um, I thought he'd be a little bit better against those teams. Um, now, Mike Yursich was fired. Um, which I think is kind of unprecedented for Penn State. This is the first time I think I ever remember a coordinator getting fired in the middle of the season or like with with games to go. I'm not sure about John Donovan when John Donovan was fired, but um, yeah, and, and this is going to be the sixth, sixth offensive coordinator. This new offense coordinator will be the sixth one under James Franklin. Ricky Ronnie and Joe, Mo- Joe, Joe Moorhead took other jobs. Um you know, head coaching jobs, and then you fire John Donovan, who should have been fired, and then you fire Kirk Sriracha because you wanted Mike Yursich. And the more I go digging on Mike Yursich, the signs were there before. I I, I talked to um, Walk On Red Shirts, um, the guy who runs that, and he basically told me he's like, you know, every time he gets fired or every time he leaves, people are excited. That's not a good track record. And, you know, signs were there. We looked through them because we're fans, and that's what happens. Um, Penn State fans were voicing their displeasure for coaches. Um, and, you know, very well, uh, James Franklin can handle that. He's a he's a big boy. He can handle that. Mike Yersich can handle that. He's He, he makes enough money. Um, however, again, when you boo, there are college kids out there who think you are booing at them. And that's how a lot of them took it. Like and to be fair, sometimes fans are. Sometimes uh, fans are people. booing players. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, listen, I, I know you're going on social media and a lot of people, hey, we weren't booing the players. We were booing the coaches. Listen, when you're on the field, man, booing's booing. You don't know. You do not know. And I understand they get paid now. I, I, I get it. They should deserve some criticism. I, I get it. However, I, I don't. I don't like booing players. Um, and yeah, you can boo coaches. That's fine. But the players are the ones on the field. They're the ones hearing it. You know, Vega Leone going into the tunnel. People are screaming at Franklin. It's Jay. If you want to watch a toxic video, watch James Franklin going into that locker room after that game. It's. <laughs> brutal and uh vega leone who's a young offensive lineman he had enough he had enough um and uh deny dennis sutton says very something very similar of hey like um i know the majority of people support us he's like but i just can't believe we're like we're trying out there and people are gonna boo us 
Um, you know, they're not for the most part, but it's, uh, all, it's all, it's disheartening for another reason. These are people that want Penn state to recruit at a high level. All right. That are booing. We got to recruit at a higher level. Okay. What message does it send all those recruits that are on that sideline when they see fans booing like that? Yep. What message does that show? You're that's you're, you're going against what you want. All those kids that were on the sideline that game saw a crazy atmosphere. Crazy atmosphere. Jay, it was probably it was just as loud or probably louder than the whiteout game. All right. And it was at noon. And then you have people booing. Man, if I'm a high profile recruit, I ain't going there. Like, man, these guys are busting their tails out there. You're gonna boo? You're going to hate this head coach? If I go here, you might run him out of town by the time I'm done. Why go there? Yep. It's not It's not good. You don't think also, you don't think you have recruits seeing what you post on Twitter on threads? You don't think recruits aren't doing that? They know. So again, like voice your, dis- like, voice your displeasure at coaches. But man, you got to know you you can't boo players. And I know it's a lot of it isn't directed towards them, but you can't do it. It the players take it the wrong way. Recruits take pro, the recruits take it the wrong way. You're hurting your own case, man. Um, and I know we talk about this twice a year. We have this rant twice a year. Okay, I am not defending James Franklin after this game. He had a very poor game. It was bad. It's probably the worst. Game, possibly game management, maybe, of his career. It's a bad one. It is bad. However, Jay, like, we've seen this before with programs. We've seen this before. Um, I know, like, again, we talk about Nebraska. Auburn and... uh... Auburn. Hey, Tennessee had a good year last year, right? Where are they at again? They're they're back to where they were before. Um, I know that's bad because we we do like we do like Josh Heupel here, okay. And they did have a lot of turnover on their. They roster, did. They did fair. have a lot of turnover. That is true. You know, I know it's his first year. Luke Fickle was going to solve all the problems in Wisconsin. All right, how's Florida doing? I I know Dan Mullen was a mess towards the end. How's Florida doing with Billy Napier? They thought he was going to be the guy, right? So, again, Jay, two things. Penn State fans think Penn State is a 10. We think we're a big knockout, that we're going to walk into a bar and everybody's going to look at us. We're seven and a half at best. We're maybe an eight. We're not the prettiest girl in the room. We're not. <laughs> We're not the prettiest girl in the room. I don't know that you're gonna y'all are gonna be offering uh, seventy five million dollar buyouts like A and M is. No, which is probably a good other, thing. But and, and here's the <laughs> other thing. Here's the other thing, Jay. You look at Penn State's rankings of things, and no one I know no one wants to hear this. And my friends who are listening to this right now are probably like, "Oh, there goes Jake again in his rose colored glasses." I know what they're already thinking. Um, you look at Penn State. They recruit anywhere between 7 and 20, okay? Their facilities 
rank the in the 20s to 30s. They don't have more money than Ohio State and Michigan. Okay, they do recruit on par with Michigan though. All right, but Michigan for some reason is able to like get those guys to keep coming back. Where Penn State, if they're good enough, they go early. Again, again, maybe that's a program problem. But you you don't have enough. You don't have the money like the other ones. Your facilities are between twenty and thirty. Your um, your your recruiting the best you've ever recruited in the history of the program, and you still have never recruited out Ohio out recruited Ohio State. Ohio State has about twenty more five star recruits than you do. They have more four star recruits than you. Penn State does have more three stars though. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so for for reference, Ohio State has a number two class uh, for twenty twenty four right now. Penn State's at number fourteen. Which, okay. To be fair, they're ahead of Michigan. They are ahead of Michigan now. Okay, so and I said this in the beginning of the year. Everyone's like, "Hey, this is the year." I'm like, "This could be the year." They're like, "Well, if he doesn't get it done this year, then then when, when's it going to happen?" Okay, here's the thing, and I said this in the beginning. This is Michigan's best team probably since 1998. This is their best team. They have like 16 seniors and grad students. So it's going to be very tough, but you have them at home. Ohio State is still Ohio State. They have more dudes than you, and you have to go to the horseshoe. And I said, there's a good chance they go 10-2 and again. And it was like, oh, my God, that would be terrible. It would be a failure. And, yes, it's disappointing. It's very disappointing, and it's disheartening. And I know the the great to elite speech in in 2018, but guys, like, I know it's frustrating. Like, I get it. It is frustrating. I was devastated on Saturday. Devastated on Saturday. But, like, man, I've been through some bad years, man. Like, bad years. I've been through three, uh, three and eight, okay, and four and eight, and four and seven. Like I, I've been through that, man. Like I was embarrassed in 2011 with the with the scandal. Embarrassed to put on a Penn State hood. He, like I didn't want to. Like it was awful. And we got out of that. That program got out of it with no losing seasons. After everyone said we were going to get the death penalty. And we were going to be screwed for 10 years and no one's going to show up. I like, and I think this is what people get sick of with Franklin. He's like, Hey, like we got to celebrate the wins still like to win this much is hard. And I know no one cares that they beat Maryland and they beat Iowa. I, and, or whoever, I know that, but like, and again, this isn't loser talk. We have it better than 98% of people. There's probably six programs better than us consistently. The problem is we've seen before, if you try and move on, you're going to go backwards. More time, like more for every Kirby Smart, I can list 10, 15, 10 other people. It's, it's be careful what you wish for. Now, Pac-12 teams come in, say James Franklin goes eight and four and nine and three and eight and four in a couple years. Hey, now we can, then we can have a serious conversation of, Hey, I, th- I think we we've reached our peak, but 
you know, the sad part about it is, and it's the truth, we are not on level with those teams. We underestimated the wide receiver room and quarterback development of Drew Aller. Defense is still lights out. Um, We underestimated those weaknesses. And we lost the two teams that are better than we are. And it's a shame that they're in our division. But there's two teams you have to play. I don't think there's any other teams that has to play two playoff teams in their in their same division. Because Alabama and Georgia are split up. Um, uh, maybe Washington, Oregon. But again, I love Washington, Oregon. I don't think they're on the same level as Ohio State and Michigan. Do I think Texas... Well, th- things are about to change, obviously, with right. the conference realignment. So. Yeah. I know. It's... Jay, it's and and the expanded playoff. To be fair, and they, I, I don't think there's a team in college football than maybe Oregon that would benefit from an expanded playoff than Penn State. Yeah. Um, so again, maybe that also gives Penn State opportunity to get some better wins on their resume, so maybe fans can be at least a little happier. But hey, they beat Iowa, and man, if they would have had a punt re- that punt return would have counted, they would be probably sitting at like. 14 or 15 right now. So yeah. anyway, um, it's the rant that takes place every two or twice a year. Um, those are my thoughts. Penn state fans, like acting like the sky is falling. It's not fun, obviously, but like, dude, like get a grip. Like the sun's going to come up. Like it sucks, but Jesus, like get a grip people. All right. That's enough. I'm done. <laughs> all right mizzou all right let's talk let's talk about something that makes me happy uh mizzou absolutely manhandles tennessee 36 to 7 um dude mizzou they do it again There's, this defense is relentless i love this mizzou defense jay absolutely love it yeah, they get after it. Uh, it's it's fun to watch, and and again, this is a little bit of a surprise, right? Uh, for some of us, some of us predicted that Mizzou would be good. Uh, I did not fall on that side of the fence, uh, but yeah, it was it was dominance by Mizzou, and and you wondered how they were going to respond uh, to the close loss to Georgia, uh, if there was going to be a bit of a come down, and if anything, it seemed like they responded by uh, having a fire lit under them. So, uh, hats off to Mizzou. Obviously, great performance. Uh, they look like a very clear number two in the SEC East now, and and uh, I think they're going to be a handful for whoever they end up in a bowl game against. They are. Um, they really are. This defense, man, this defense can ball. I, I mean, I think the offense might be the. I don't even want to call it a weak link. I think the offense isn't as up to par. This defense is scary good. Love this Mizzou defense. Um. Don't know who they're going to play in a bowl game. Might be Penn State, actually. I see some bowl projections putting Penn State and Mizzou against each other in possibly the Citrus Bowl or um, maybe a Peach Bowl or something like that. But, um, yeah, like this Mizzou team, man, uh, really good. Um, Two basketball schools duke it out in a very exciting football game. North Carolina beats Duke in overtime, 47-45. Jay, what do you what have you been seeing lately with Duke? Um, just not. I think they're banged up. This is a yeah. this team's a little banged up, and and depth was always going to be an issue at Duke. Uh, and I think they've just had 
the injury bug hit him pretty hard. Uh, and North Carolina still is a very good offensive squad. Like, let's not forget that either. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, I think really the 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 injury bug is what has plagued Duke here in the back half of the season. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a shame too. And you know what? Their fans stopped going to games too. I hate that, man. I hate that. Like, dude, support your team. I know basketball season started. Who cares? Go support your team. Support your football team. Um, but yeah, North Carolina stays ranked. Um, great defense, man. North Carolina has, or sorry, uh, not defense, offense. North Carolina's offense, man, can move, especially with Drake May. Great, great, great quarterback. Um, watch out for him for the NFL draft. Um, next up. OK State with the biggest hangover ever in their lives <laughs> gets smoked by Central Florida, 45 to three. Um, Oklahoma State looked like they didn't care about this game because they beat Oklahoma the week before. Um, I, again, I didn't bet this week. I didn't get any of my bets in. And I'm very sad because this this had this had hangover and all over it. This had hangover written all over it, but I didn't know it was going to be like the movie hangover with how disastrous it was going to turn out. Uh, no, I mean, look, I think we both thought there was going to be a little bit of a hangover for Oklahoma State. Uh, but again, to this extent, uh, I did not see that coming. And uh, UCF, I mean, look, the uh, the Knights were prepared without a doubt. Uh, and I think uh, I think. Uh, Look, if if you saw it being this big of a blowout, oh, hats yeah. off to you. But there's no way that I that I thought UCF was just gonna like boat race them. Oklahoma State's look like they've been drunk for five days when they play. Yeah, like they've been drunk all week. Um, also, Gus Mel's on, man. All right, so Central Florida's five and five. Jay, do you think again five and five first um first Power Five gig is? Do you think Gus Malzahn's gonna have second life in Central Florida? I mean, look, let's not forget that UCF has had their own injury struggles this year, too. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's been kind of a, a thing that they, that they've battled. Uh, and he's nine wins both of the last two years at UCF and the American. And now, uh, obviously, the transition to the Big 12 is it, it's been rough, but like you still have a chance at bowl eligibility. So if you win one of these last two games at and with Houston or Texas Tech, uh, you're bowl eligible, and I think that's about all you could ask for your first year in a Power Five conference. Uh, and look, I like it's easy to second guess, but I, I think Malzahn uh, really is is doing all right for himself. Uh, the other thing too is UCF feels like a place where they can put a quite a bit of money into that program and get recruiting going pretty well uh right now you know they're set at 23rd i think in the the recruiting rankings but in the big 12 that's second uh if you're not including uh texas and ou who are going to uh going to the uh the sec uh so looking at it from that standpoint i mean you got to be pretty happy if you're a ucf fan uh, now, will that be enough? I think, you know, with bowl eligibility, if he gets there this year, I think they'll be okay. If they lose both of their next two, uh, we'll see. 
uh, I think that gets a little bit hairy. But I think he'll get uh, a little bit more support uh, with, with a bowl game uh, in, in Orlando. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, next up, we're going to go back to the SEC. Georgia just absolutely demolishes Ole Miss. This game wasn't even close. I mean, Ole Miss does start the game off 7 nothing. Georgia just boat races them. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else I need to say about this one. This is Georgia just dominated Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a problem on defense. That's like they have issues. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss has a problem on defense. And, I mean, Georgia is – Georgia becoming what we expect Georgia to be. Yes. Uh, they stepped up when, you know, things uh, got important. And uh, now we see what this Georgia team can be capable of. And uh, I mean, we know why they're a playoff contender. So not much else to say about that. Like you said, uh, we'll see what they do in Atlanta against, uh, against Alabama. Yep. Um, Pac-12 uh, Washington beats Utah. This game, Washington, it's the old Al Davis, man. Just win, baby. Washington yep. is just finding ways to win. But for how long? Um, little preview for later, or a little tease for later. Um, also, they had the dreaded pick six taken off the board because the player dropped the ball before the end zone. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Um, <laughs> just just hold on to it for, for a split second longer. Make what, sure you're in the end zone exactly. and then drop it. Like, I mean, as a defensive player, again, Jay, I played at a very, very low level. You were, you were blessed uh, and your hard work took you to bigger heights. Uh, I had the benefit of scoring a two touchdowns as a defensive player and I remember holding on to that ball like for extra yards. Like, okay, I'm in the middle of the end zone. Now I can drop it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, oh, man, that's rough. But Washington's still good, man. This is a good team. Very good team. I like this team. You, Utah keeps fighting. And I know the wins aren't there. For the most part, I mean, I guess they are technically, but they don't have Cam Rising. I this is going to be one of the this is going to be the biggest what if seasons for Utah. Yeah, like what if Cam Rising would have been healthy? Because I, I think Utah could have really made some noise in the Pac-12. I really do. I think so too. Uh, especially when you look at their losses. I mean, obviously the Oregon loss was a was a blowout. Uh, you, you lose pretty handily to Oregon, right? Uh, but the Oregon State game and the Washington game, I, I think, are both uh, winnable games that are. I would probably favor Utah in a rematch if they had Cam Rising. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, while everyone was sleeping, Hawaii beats Air Force twenty-seven thirteen on the island. Two bad losses in a row for Air Force. Uh, Jay, you have any idea what's going on here? No clue, uh, and I don't have the roster in front of me, so like I don't know if they're dealing with injuries too, because that could definitely be a part of it. Uh, obviously, playing on the island, and I think God, going back to like Nadu on here is like 
the the playing on the island is overrated as far as an excuse, mm-hmm. but there is a little bit of something to that. Anytime I you have to too. take a flight like that, a bunch of big guys on a small plane, you know, it, it's it can it can be hard on the knees, uh, just squeezing in there. Uh, but you know, uh, I I think it's bad that you get neither one of these are great losses from a standpoint of uh, I don't know that either team is bowl eligible. Uh, I'd have no, to go back not. and look. I don't believe. I, uh, well, I know Hawaii definitely isn't. Yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii's sitting at four and seven, uh, and then Army is an independent is four and six. So who you lose the two teams? With, who struggled with Holy Cross? Uh, Army lost to Matt, UMass earlier this year. Yes, they so. did. So. <laughs> That that's also a thing that happened. Although they did a weird thing where they beat UTSA, so I don't. I mean, Army's yeah. kind of an enigma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those pesky cadets. Anyways, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, you look at you look at what Army did, and and it, it's it just feels really weird to see Air Force get off to such a great start, like, and they were blowing teams out too. Mm-hmm. That was the other part of it. Like they were, they just handily beat uh, San Jose State. They handily beat San Diego State. Uh, they handled Colorado State pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the wheels just kind of fall off. So yeah, it's weird. And then things don't get easier with uh, with UNLV coming to town. So yeah. uh, UNLV and Boise State to close out the year is not exactly uh, too easy wins to pencil in. So yeah, really weird to see air force fall off, but uh, they still have a chance at the mountain West. They're still the the leader of the conference right now. So uh, we'll see if they can bounce back against UNLV. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. Um, and Jay, let's get into the FCS minute. Yeah. We had a couple of uh, Missouri Valley football conference games in the FCS minute uh, last week, 11 uh, North Dakota at, South Dakota, uh, South Dakota wins 14-10. South Dakota was number six. North Dakota was number 12. Uh, number 15, Southern Illinois at number 13, North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome. North Dakota State uh, wins that one handily uh, to get back in the win column. Uh, I was at Southern Utah at Stephen F. Austin talking about uh, FCS game. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, you had the axe, man. I, they gave me the axe. I felt uh, awesome. extremely powerful. Uh, you know, I have a, a former teammate on that staff, Kirby Ennis. Uh, and then I got to talk with coach Carthel a little bit. Great guy. Uh, you know, tough loss for them, but I think that, uh, Stephen F. Austin, uh, you know, if they put some things together. They're, they're recruiting pretty well down there in Nacogdoches. I think, uh, coach Carthel can, can get the ship righted. Uh, but week 12, we're going to a big game this year. I think this is on both of our bucket lists. Uh, oh, brawl it's the online wild. at least it's brawl the wild yeah. yeah uh and it's number four montana state at number three montana uh espn's handy dandy uh ticket thing that tracks the cheapest tickets uh per espn 158 dollars the cheapest ticket so that's a uh wow. it's a high demand game uh and missoula is really the place where i want to see it more so than bozeman uh but i would go, i would go to bozeman too uh but yeah, this is a big matchup. Number four at number three, uh, rivalry game. I feel like game day should honestly just go back. They're going to James Madison, which I appreciate. Yes, uh, since you know James Madison is wrongfully being kept out of the postseason. 
But <sighs> yep. like going going back to Brawl of the Wild for a number four versus number three FCS matchup would have been great. Uh, and that's your FCS minute that was way longer than a minute this time, I think. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like the fastest two minutes. It's never two minutes. Okay. Um, let's get into some let's get into some preview for week twelve. Uh, we're gonna start this thing off on Friday. Colorado at Wazoo, both four win teams trying to get to bowl eligibility. Wazoo is a five point favorite at home in Pullman. And I also like or sorry, I like Wazoo in this game over Colorado. I think Wazoo's offense. Um I think Wazoo's offense is really gonna be the difference maker in this game. Um not sure what the over is. Do we know what the over is? Probably should have. Uh, we can find out pretty let's, quickly. Let's figure that it out. It is 63 and a half. Oh, I love it. Over, 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 over. Take it. Take the over. Oh, man. How, how much do you think Colorado is regretting that Stanford loss earlier in the year? Oh, big time. Yeah, because I feel big like time. like this Washington State game is a very winnable contest. Uh, and that would be enough to put them at bull eligible. Uh, unfortunately, they're going to need to win out, and uh, you have Utah to close the season. Uh, I think Washington State, with their schedule, isn't likely to win out either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's man, I, I think I favor Colorado here. I just think the fall off has been bigger for Washington State than it has been for Colorado. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of see that. I don't know. I just see Cam. You're going to get two dynamic quarterbacks playing. I see Cam Ward lighting up Colorado's defense. And I, I do believe Washington state is going to get a stop or two towards the end of this ball game. Um, I, yeah, I, li- I like Wazoo. I like Wazoo to cover in Pullman. Okay. Wazoo, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six straight losses. They get one back. They get one back. I like Wazoo. Um, moving into Saturday, it's SEC Cupcake Week, Jay. Uh, <laughs> at least Mississippi State is playing Southern Miss. Uh, I think Florida has Mizzou, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, Jay, here's the thing with Cupcake Week. In the beginning of the season, when the North, usually week one and two, when the Northern teams, they play their their cupcakes, We all we hear from the South is, oh, my God, look at who they're playing. Like, we forget what the SEC does in week 12. <laughs> It's like, do you do we do you think we forget every year what you do in week twelve? Like right before rivalry week. Um, so it is SEC Cupcake Week. Uh Mississippi State plays Southern Miss, who at least Southern Miss is like a group of five, like like at least a known group of five. Um but uh listen, hey, be careful with Abilene Christian. <laughs> Abilene Christian, baby. The uh the Wildcats out there in, in Abilene. Uh, yeah, AM shouldn't have a problem even with the coach moving on. I think, again, part of the reason that they made the decision this week is so you're not playing like a, like an LSU the week after you get rid of your coach. Uh, I say do it. Coach is fired game. 
Hey, listen, but speaking of, speaking of Cupcake Week, now I, I understand that, you know, Conference USA isn't necessarily known for having the best teams, uh, but New Mexico State plays Auburn, and, and Auburn should win that game. Okay. But I think we got to give some credit to New Mexico State. Uh, they just beat Western Kentucky. Uh, they're six and one in the conference, uh, eight and three overall, eight wins for New Mexico State. Jerry right? Kill, baby. And uh, they have already punched their ticket yep. to the Conference oh. USA Championship game against Liberty. Oh, look at that. Wait, against so, Liberty? Uh, yeah, they get Liberty. Uh, who We're big they Jerry lost Kill. to earlier in the year, but Jerry. Uh, we. We will be rooting for for New Mexico State to pull off that. And I told you the Aggies would be a dark horse contender for the conference championship this year. I just didn't say which Aggies that was going to (laughs) be. Sickos, uh, our our friends at Sickos have uh, have the the Aggie the Aggie standings of like all the teams and Del Val, which is by kind of near where I grew up, is has been leaning at the entire year. Um, oh man! So I love that, but and right. there are a couple of good SEC games. You have Georgia at Tennessee, uh, Florida at oh, Mizzou, true. and Kentucky at South Carolina. So it's not completely uh, dead, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of cupcakes, as you yes. would say, a lot of cupcakes. Um, so let's let's continue with the ACC. Uh, Jay, this is my upset special: Louisville at Miami. Miami is a one and a half point dog at home. Give me the Hurricanes. Miami is going to beat Louisville, and they're going to put the Cardinals, bring them down to earth a little bit. I like Miami. Look at that Miami pass rush. Look for Tyler Van Dyke to sling the rock a little bit. I like Miami in this game outright. This uh, this Louisville team has been kind of weird, right? Like They have the big wins against Notre Dame and Duke uh, where they really controlled those games. And, and didn't have an issue at all. Uh, and then <laughs> you lose to Pitt and you play Virginia extremely close. Uh, kind of nonsensical. But, yeah, I don't I don't hate this pick there. Uh, I'm probably going to stay away from it just because Louisville has been such an enigma this year. Uh, but it, it's it's an interesting one. No, definitely. Um, next, Utah. Uh, one point favorite over Arizona. I like Utah here. Um, bad loss or, or t- heartbreaking loss last week against Washington. Played their hearts out. Um, I like Utah against Arizona here. Arizona's been doing very well. We're, we're big Jed Fish people. Um, Arizona, pleasant surprise in the Pac-12. But I like, I really like Utah. I like their defense to kind of suffocate um, Arizona's offense. Um, Arizona's defense. I think it's nice. I think it's a good change of pace of Utah to play against Arizona's uh, offense or sorry, defense this week. I like Utah gets, get a little bit of points, get their offense, maybe some confidence. Um, I like Utah in Tucson. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to Jed fish and what he's done there. Uh, I mean, seven wins at this point in the season is, is really, really good. Uh, obviously I think they wish they had that game against Mississippi state earlier in the year back. Cause then you're, you're looking at eight wins. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you here. Uh, Utah, just with what they're able to do, I think it's a good matchup for them. Uh, I like the Utes as well. Ooh, I just looked, Jay. I still like Utah. I still like Utah. However, the line has switched. It is now Arizona is a one-point favorite now at home. It is at home. It is at home. I still like Utah, though. 
So like, I still like the Utes. Um, gonna go to the SEC, not cupcake for this SEC team. Uh, Georgia, ten point favorite over Tennessee. This line is a little weird to me. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Um, I know it's at Tennessee. Um, however, with how Georgia just beat the bricks off of Ole Miss and how Tennessee just got smoked by Mizzou, I thought this line would be a little bit bigger. Um, I'm going to stay away from this one, but I I do like Georgia to win handedly. I just don't know by how much. I think Georgia covers. I mean, looking at this one, I know it's at Tennessee, and and part of this is probably Tennessee got caught looking ahead, but I just haven't seen anything from Tennessee to make me think that they can beat uh, or that they can keep this one close Mm -hmm. against Georgia. Yep. Uh, Staying in the SEC, Florida at Mizzou. Another one I'm staying away from. I Florida just seems like such a dumpster fire, and Mizzou looks like a really good football team. So if you're looking at this game on vibes, I think you go with Mizzou. However, maybe Mizzou has a slight hangover after Tennessee. I don't know. Again, I'm not betting this one. Um, But I think the key in this matchup is how is Mizzou's offense going to play against Florida? Or is it going to be the offense we saw against Tennessee? Or is it going to be an offense that's going to stall a little bit? So I'm I'm not sure about this one. Yeah, Mizzou has been really good at home this year. Uh, I think is the key factor there. The last home games they've won by 17 points or more, and that's Kentucky, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Uh, they had lost at L- to LSU at home earlier this year, uh, but they they played that game pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, and, and Florida, you know, obviously they had success last week offensively against uh, LSU. Missouri's defense is a lot better than LSU's defense. And I, I just don't see uh, Florida keeping this one too close. Uh, so I think I like Mizzou to cover in this one as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this next one, uh, this might be my lock. This might be my lock of the week. Um, Clemson minus seven over North Carolina. I love Clemson in this game. Absolutely love them. They're not ranked. North Carolina coming off a big emotional win against a rival. Yes, it's Duke. It's still a rival. I think North Carolina is not going to know what to do with this Clemson defensive line. They are going to get after Drake May. They're going to get after him often and early. And North Carolina's defense is not great. I think it's perfect for a Clemson's offense that has struggled at times. I think this is a great matchup for Clemson in Death Valley. I love Clemson in this. I agree with everything that you said. I just worry that like North Carolina is a team that can definitely play from behind, Mm -hmm. right? Like with their ability to sling the ball around, they can definitely still play from behind. Uh, So I'm a little bit wary. I'm probably going to stay away from this game. Okay. Um, Here we go. UCLA at USC. USC is a six point, six and a half point favorite. Uh, Chip Kelly coaching for his job. Apparently. Jay, what do you think about that? UCLA looking to move on from Chip Kelly. Uh, I mean, they did just lose to Arizona State, who is is not particularly good this year. And I mean, it just sounds like Chip Kelly doesn't really want to recruit, uh, which they're going to need to do 
in the Big Ten. And I understand there are certain difficulties with being uh, in Los Angeles as far as like financially. Like it, it, that is something that I don't think people consider is the cost of living. And that can be hard to get coaches to live out there, right? Because there's, there's some aspects of that. Uh, but by the same token, I mean, UCLA is a program with, it's been a while, but it's a program with a rich history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to a new conference, and I think it may just be time for a move, uh, especially with, it doesn't seem like UCLA is getting better, right? Like they're, they're three and nine, four and eight in their first years under Chip Kelly. And, and sure, they've only had four losses, uh, eight and four and nine and four. But at six and four and, and a loss to Arizona State, it just kind of feels like the program's on a downswing and it's not working out. Yeah, and you know what? If if you if they know they have a lot of guys graduating and they know, hey, you know, if he's not gonna get fired this year, he's gonna get fired next year. Um, you might as well pull the trigger now. Um, here's the thing. Uh in his tenure, he's thirty three and thirty three, and he's twenty five and twenty five in conference. Okay. Average like across the board. However, I will say his first three years, you give him his fourth year. That's his fourth year is all his people. Since he's had all of his people that were recruited by him, eight and four, nine and four, and now he's six and four again. Um, I mean, upset you, you upset USC, win out, go eight and four, go to a bowl game. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Who is US UCLA? Jay, like when you think UCLA, what is their record? What is their bowl placement? I think eight and four, quite I quite honestly. Eight and four too. When I think UCLA, I think. But I can't, I can't fault somebody for not wanting that. I yes. can't fault somebody for wanting more. Yeah. No, I, I know. And, and that's the thing. Like that's especially if you have a coach that's not taking full advantage of his resources. If you don't think your coach is taking full advantage of his resources, then yeah, okay, maybe move on. Um, so, yeah, six and four, bad loss against Arizona State. Uh, this is going to be the game. UCL, uh, Chip Kelly's going to have to beat USC, which is doable. It's doable. USC's defense is garbage. It's bad. This they, they have a shot to do it here, but um, I do think USC wins this game. I think they're just a better team across the board. Yeah. More Jimmys and Joes. More Jimmys and Joes, for sure. Oh, uh, the Sunflower Battle? <laughs> the sun- Sunflower Showdown. Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State, seven and a half point favorite at Lawrence, at Kansas. Um. I man, I want to take Kansas so bad, but I, I like Kansas State. I really do. And 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 Kansas's quarterback situation uh, Not good. went went from bad to worse, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're down to the third string. Uh and I guess not everybody can have a third string quarterback like AM and Jalen Henderson. Yeah, right. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that in, in the firing, uh, the game that he had. But no, I mean it, it, it's Look, I like Kansas State here too. I think it's just a bad matchup. The physicality that Kansas State plays with is is tough for uh, Kansas to to reciprocate. And uh, Kansas State still has a lot to play for. Uh, they still have an outside shot at that Big Twelve championship berth. Uh, you currently have four teams sitting at five and two uh, in in the Big Twelve, uh, which five and two is that second spot. Uh, obviously the Longhorns are in first, 
So uh, Kansas State wins out, and they could very well uh, find themselves in the Big 12 championship in Arlington. Five and two might win you to win win the division. That must be real nice. Must be nice to still. Must, <laughs> well, there's be, no divisions. There's no divisions. Oh, that's so it's right. All, still everybody lumped together. Divisions, right? But must be nice. Must be nice to be able to do that. All right. Um, Iowa State's sitting there too. <laughs> Farmageddon at the end of the year. Farm, yeah, Look, Farmageddon. Farmageddon at the end of the year. Uh, Iowa State's five and two. Kansas State's five and two. If both teams win this weekend, uh, they could be playing theoretically for oh, yeah. for a berth. Uh, especially because Kansas State and Iowa State both have wins. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Oklahoma State did beat Kansas State. Uh, but like you look at the five and two teams, uh, it, it's just kind of funny. Oklahoma probably still has the best shot. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I'm just I'm laughing. I'm 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 dying to see what that tiebreaker is going to be. Um. You ready for this one? Washington State at Oregon State. It it has now flipped. Oregon State is a one point and that's favorite. Washington, right? The Huskies. Yes, Washington. Not Washington State. Yeah, Washington. Okay. Did I say Washington State? Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry. There's a lot of Washington states. at Oregon State. Oregon State is a one point favorite at home. Everything that I know about betting is telling me to take Oregon State. Everything. Um, personally, I hope it doesn't happen uh, for Penn State and seeding and bowl games and things like that. However, everything that has to tell me about betting takes tells me to take the Beavers here. Take the Beavers at home. Washington's due for a loss. They've been close all these other games, and I think it might happen. I think Oregon. I think Oregon State's upsetting them today or on Saturday. Give me. It Beaver. does feel like that game, right? Beaver fever. It just kind of feels like that game. Uh, yeah, I think I like Oregon State here too. Uh, this is the game that game they really should have been at, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they, uh, I think they didn't go because they uh, don't want to face up to uh, you know their role in Ooh. the collapse of the Pac-12. Oh, I like that. If you ask me, but I mean, what what can you do? No, yeah, exactly. What can you do? And listen, man. And then they they get some like credit back. It's good PR for them to go to James Madison instead Mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, we're going to a small school, like we're going to a a group of five team. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, we we appreciate everybody, but in reality, it's like uh, Oregon State at or Washington at Oregon State. Do we really want to go to Corvallis, uh, where those people are probably going to let us have it? Mm. Mm, Much to think about. Yep. and again, Oregon State right now is sitting at eight and two. Okay, they are sitting at eight and two right now. I mean, if they win this game, it's going to be a battle in the for the Palatipus right there. Which that's a game game day might go to. Probably not. They're probably going to go to the game. But <laughs> I mean, I the problem is that like, but then you're in in Eugene instead of Corvallis. Yes. You're right. Like, it's fine. But they but they fine, would rather but... do that. They would rather do that. Oh, they yeah. don't want to go to Corvallis. But No, um, they don't want to go to Corvallis and they, they certainly didn't want to go to Pullman either. No, exactly. Um, you know, and that's the thing, man. You're looking at this Oregon State team. I mean listen, Jay, 
it's no secret I've had beaver fever for a very long time. Okay, I've had I've had beaver fever for a long time. However, look at their schedule. Okay, um, they lost to Washington State. All right, which okay, Washington State at that time was decent, but they had problems. Beat Utah, which is their best win. Utah is good, but they obviously have some dis- discrepancies. All right. Cal beat Cal, beat UCLA, who's no longer ranked. Lost to Arizona, who is ranked, quality loss. Beat Colorado, killed Stanford. Didn't have to. And so right now, we're going to find out how good Oregon State is. And with this line, I think they're going to beat Washington, and then I think Oregon's going to kill them. Yeah. And I think also that's what's or, just the level of football that Oregon's playing right now. Okay. A little off topic. Who's better right now, Oregon or Washington? Neutral site rematch. <sighs> Neutral site and rematch. Neutral site rematch. I think Oregon wins. Me too. Me too. And also, how about Bo Nix, the front runner for the Heisman per Vegas? You know what? Listen, and this is nothing to do with Bo Nix. I, 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 I like Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix should go to New York. How is Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and Marvin Harrison Jr., one of those three guys, not your front runner? How? I mean, Michael Penix is my favorite still. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I love Michael Penix. Love Michael Penix. I, plus, I do it like makes Jayden me feel Daniels. good when I predicted him to be a Heisman guy at the yes. beginning of the year. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. I love Michael Penix. And Jaden Daniels is really good, too. Marvin Harrison Jr. is amazing. He does something amazing every week. And, yes, I love Bo Nix, but I think he's fourth out of those three guys. He deserves to go to New York, but he shouldn't He shouldn't get the Heisman. Um, I don't know. Um, all right, we're going to end the episode top four. Okay, Jay, college football playoff starts this week. Let's just say it does. Who's your top four? My top four are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida State. Ooh, okay. I like that, by the way. Very nice. In that order. In that order, right. I don't hate me. Michigan, number one. Georgia. Ohio State, um, and Washington for the time being, even though I think they're going to lose this weekend. Yeah. Uh, right now, if I had to choose, I would take Washington, and this is why. I think the Pac-12 is collectively better than the ACC. I know. 100% fair. I know Florida State has that win against LSU. Good, very good win. Um, LSU is a scary team, by the way. That That is a scary team. Uh, them offensively. Jaden Daniels is amazing. Um, however, I think Washington's resume is better. I think the wins are better. I think they're in a better conference. I'd go with Washington for that fourth spot. The reason why I took Michigan one, I truly believe Michigan is the best team in the country. I truly believe it. I think they have seniors everywhere. They have veteran leadership everywhere, and that's going to be imperative. Um, Again, I've said it. This is the best Michigan team 
in my lifetime. If not, then second behind 98. Um, actually, to be honest with you, I'm going to really fire some people up. I put Ohio State number two and Georgia three. And only because I like Ohio State's wins more. Um, now, granted, Georgia, it, I think those top three, put them anywhere, you could have a case for every one of them. But Michigan, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, mix them up. It's wherever they are. I, you have a case for anything. Um, for any of those three. Fourth one, though, I like Washington over Florida State for that reason. Um, I just think their resume is better than Florida State's. Um, better conference. But Fair. no, it's no, I think it is. And uh, listen, guys, tonight, just letting you know, uh, after the, the playoff show, that none of that stuff counts anyway. So what you should be doing, though, tonight is and maybe heck, maybe you want to listen to the playoff show and watch the rankings that don't matter but there is a full slate of action tonight just letting y'all know uh toledo is a 10 point favorite at bowling green that's probably going to be the better game of the night um northern illinois is hosting western michigan and eastern michigan um plays akron as a four point favorite so there is football on tonight there's football on tonight watch it Gotta we're, love in week, that match. we're we're in week 12 we don't have a lot of football left we would kill for these games in april and may and during the summer don't let it go to waste hashtag action jay got anything to leave us on oh man football season goes by too fast but uh if you haven't noticed on Twitter, I'm, I'm trying to get a full-time job coaching. So uh, pitch into the Hire J campaign if you can. Hashtag Hire J. <laughs> yeah, hashtag Hire J. Uh, you going, n- not going anywhere this week? I will be at, I mean, they've tried to call it the uh, Battle for the Blue Bonnets or whatever. They're trying yeah. to rename it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's the rivalry. It's the game between TCU and Baylor. Uh, in Fort Worth. Should be a good time. Uh, I'll be out there. Uh, so this will be the 11th different stadium of the year for me. Uh, pretty excited. Pretty excited to be out there. And, and this one's easy because it's close to home. So, uh, or well, close to the Metroplex where my, my folks still live, where I'm from originally. So uh, <clears throat> should be a fun one. I have that. And then I'm going to close out the year at Texas State. Uh, Texas State, South Alabama will be November 25th, uh, week 13. So. That's yeah, a, that good is a good game. game. So I'm pretty excited about that one. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, I will be, I'll be at Beaver Stadium again, probably in front of uh, only seventy five thousand. Again, I have to say only there for that, which is crazy. But yeah, uh, stadium's not going to be full for this one. Uh, a lot of disappointed Nittany Lion fans, but I will still be there. Penn State is a twenty point favorite over Rutgers. Got to get it done. Rutgers, man, might be sneaky. They have a their scrappy defense. The fight in Shiano's aren't going to go down easy, but I will be, um, I will be in that stadium for Penn State's senior night. Um, enjoy college football while it's still here, guys. Enjoy while it's you still have here. to. Yeah. You have to. All right, from all of us at the Get Back Coach, have a great week.